0: Um, before we get into that, I would kind of like to recap uh, where we are in the book of Acts. So, um, fantastic with that. Uh, at the start of the book of Acts, we see Jesus is getting ready uh, to leave the earth, and he charges his disciples at that time with staying in the city of Jerusalem and waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up. And he gives them the mission to go and spread the good news that he is risen, that he brings us to new life, uh, and in relationship with God the Father. Um, so we see that, and then uh, moving on from there, we see the day of Pentecost comes, and He is uh, the Holy Spirit shows up in a mighty and a powerful way. And people, there are thousands of people in Jerusalem at the time, Everybody's speaking different languages, and these apostles, these disciples of Jesus, are speaking in all these different languages, and thousands hear the good news, and thousands come, and it says that 3,000 were joined on that day. And then as we move on from that, we see, um, what do we see? <laughs> we see Peter and John going to the temple and uh, healing this lame man right? Who, he's been lame for 40 years, his entire life, and Peter tells him to get up and walk, and he does, and this is this miraculous thing. And the, the elders of Israel, these priests and these leaders, are surprised at this, and they're like, they call up these two guys, and they're like, how, what, what are you doing this? Like, how are you doing this? And they say, it's with the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified. And they say, well, stop talking about that, and they get a slap on the wrist and sent on the way and told not to do that anymore. And then we, uh, we continue going on in the story and we see um, these two individuals, this couple. Uh, the, the believers at that time pooled all their resources. They were living together. Nobody had need. And these, these two individuals uh, tried to come into that community in a way other than what God had intended, which is through Jesus Christ. They tried kind of buying their way in. And they were dealt with in a very severe way. In fact, their lives were lost. And this kind of scared some people away from the church at that time. But uh, during that as well, many people were healed during that time. And still, many more were coming. And that kind of brings us to where we are in our story right now. And I think it's important for us to hear all of what was going on here. Because of, I mean, through all that, the most we've seen them get interacted with with the leadership of Israel, the apostles with the leadership of Israel, is Peter and John being called in and said, "Hey, stop it and get out." Right, but but something changes at this point. Um, the leadership group, the Sanhedrin, as they were called, there's this assembly of uh, basically like the supreme court, right? This is what it is for the group of Israel. They're getting very agitated. There's these nerves that they have. These people that were following Jesus are getting kind of annoying, and their attitude changes towards them. And they've seen and they've heard about what's gone on and everything. And so this group of about 70 men, the the Sanhedrin, um, something happens. So that's where we're going to pick it up, and we're going to pick it up in Acts uh, chapter 5. Verse 17, Uh, the verses are going to be up on the screen. You can also use a Bible in the uh, rack in front of you there. Uh, So Acts chapter 5, starting at verse 17. Then the high priest and all of his associates, who were members of the the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy for all the things that were going on and the attention that these other people are getting. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail, But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the door of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell all the people about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told to, and began to teach the people there. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, and the guards were standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we didn't find anybody inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then some people came and said, Look, the men you put in the jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain of the guard went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. That's the name of Jesus. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago Thaddeus appeared, claiming to be somebody, And about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and his followers all dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and his followers scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering the disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Wow. All I can say after reading that just that passage and what those guys went through is, wow, so much happened in a two-day time period. Uh, they were placed in public jail, and this angel just lets them out. It doesn't just, like, free them. It's like, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to go back into the temple courts, and you're going to keep talking about this good news, because people need to hear it. So they go out, and they give the good news of life. And later in that morning, then, you've got the, uh, the high priest come up, and they call this hand-heated, and they're like, all right, get the guys out of jail jails, bring them in. And I can can only see this as a comedic episode happening. The jailer's like, all right, going to get the prisoners. And he walks in there, opens the door, blinks a couple times, turns around, goes back, and he's got to give this report. They're not there. And everybody's dumbfounded. And then this other guy comes in. It's like, dude, they're out in the temple court right now doing what we told them not to do. (laughs) And they're just like, well, go get and, and them, And the chief jailer walks out. Now, here's one thing that I think uh, they were fully aware of 3,000 people on the first day had joined these guys, right? And many more had come. So they're like, well, if we go in there with brute force, we're dead men. It's like, so I can just see him kind of corralling. Can we just have you go to the Sanhedrin's office now, please? <laughs> and so they're, they're hurting him. The, the apostles are going. They're like, okay. And then it doesn't get quite so funny in my mind. Like the real intention of these high priests are shown of why, of why they called these men in here and why they're jealous and why they might be angry. They told the apostles to stop preaching the name of Jesus. And they asked them what they were doing and why it was their intent to make everybody think it was their fault that Jesus died right? They, they've given them the cease and desist order, and they want answers, and they want to know why and how are these healings going on and everything. And the apostles' response to it, to that question, is uh, my first reason I think we, we can find hope um, for accomplishing the mission of Jesus, and that's the Holy Spirit is with us. Uh, it was with the, uh, the apostles there in the uh, room with the Sanhedrin. And we've heard this many times, uh, that the Holy Spirit points to the majesty and the glory of Jesus and of God the Father. And he emboldens these apostles to tell them exactly why um, these things are happening. And so they give their, their orders and everything, and I think it's interesting. I don't know if they really... Had worried about in that moment. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 10, I don't have it on your note sheet or on a slide, but in Matthew chapter 10, verses 17 and 20, Jesus kind of is, is really sending the disciples at that time out on their very first, I don't know, field to, It's their first mission trip, basically. Their first time away from Jesus. He's taught them for a while and he sends them out to go heal and he gives them before, he leave, before they leave, rather he gives them this warning. Uh, He said to them, "'Be on your guard against men. "'They will hand you over to local councils "'and flog you in their synagogues. "'On my account, "'you will be brought before governors and kings "'as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. "'But when they arrest you, "'do not worry about what to say or how to say it. "'At that time you will be given what to say, "'for it will not be you speaking.' but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. I think at that moment, it it rang true for those apostles in front of the Sanhedrin, and it still rings true for us as Christians. We're not to worry about the words that we need to say, right? It says, and this is where I don't want to cause confusion, we're not to worry. It doesn't say, don't be prepared it says, "Don't worry about what you're going to say." Right? So I believe that uh, when we're confronted, if we have spent that time uh, with Christ, spent it in the Bible, spent it in prayer, spent it in groups with other believers, and really just worked at our relationship with God, when someone asks, "Why do you? Why are you doing this? Why do you have faith?" We don't need to worry about that because we are prepared and the Holy Spirit is with us filling our mouths with the words to say. And I think that was uh, evident here. So the Holy Spirit doesn't just give us the answers, he helps us prepare to give those answers as well. So we really do believe what we're saying. Now when the Sanhedrin hears that reply, that they give, that we're doing this because we are to obey God, not man. And Peter lays it out on the line there and says, listen, man, you guys hung him on a cross. And I don't think he was just being straight accusatory, because we all put Jesus on the cross. As sinners, that's what he came to do, was to redeem us to himself. He had to die for our sins. So is it true that those 70 men in that room put him on the cross? Yeah. Just like every single one of us here put him on the cross. Even the disciples put him there. But he said that uh, the Father raised him up from the grave, sat him at his right hand. He's to restore Israel to himself, forgive their sins, and make everything right. So Hearing that, the Sanhedrin, they are red hot. They are mad. They are ready to kill these guys, right? And how dare these? These guys, they they interviewed them before. They found them to be fishermen. These guys are nothing more than fishermen. How dare they come into this group and tell us well-educated, learned people this? Kill them. Kill them all, right? That's, That's what their mindset is. And in the midst of this group of people, this one man stands up, Gamaliel, and he needs to give a little history lesson. So he has the, uh, the accused, as it were, the questioning body let out. The apostles are taken outside for a little while. And he, uh, he sits it down. Uh, he sets it down, rather, as to what's really going on. And Gamaliel really gives us our second reason for hope that we see in the book of Acts. And it's that... Uh, Only a mission started by God will never be stopped. I think this is the most important reason that we have hope. More so because I think we forget it all the time. And I think these other, the Sanhedrin forgot it as well. Um, His point of this was so sound that he turned 69 guys' opinion around And so uh, he he brings up and says, uh, people have come in and claimed that they've been somebody. The Thaddeus guy showed up, rallied 400 men to him. He dies, his group scatters, comes to nothing. He talks about this uh, Judas of Galilee, right? Shows up during the census, does a revolt, dies, and we don't hear about them. We don't read about them other than in these few verses where he brings them up. And all this fades away, right? And... uh, It's human design of why these failed. And Gamaliel points out, if God is backing something, you can't stop it. Now, I said earlier that these men were highly educated. The Pharisees in that group alone, which was a part of the uh, Sanhedrin, they know the Bible. They've got it memorized. The Sadducees, same things. They are well, well well-learned. They know everything that God has done. They know that God brought Israel out of the land of Egypt, crushed that army, took them through the desert into the promised land. They defeated many, many people in that land. They rested there. They had judges. They had a king. And during that king, there was a shepherd boy named David who God used to slay a giant who was named Goliath. And that, that gentleman became, well, I should say David became their greatest king because of that. His son Solomon asked God for wisdom, and God gave wisdom to that king, and he shared it with all of Israel, and they prospered. They forgot some stuff and got sent into exile. And even while they were kicked out, God chooses this, uh, this one man, Daniel, right? He's sent into a lion's den after being wrongly accused of something, or I should say poorly accused of something, and he brings them out of a den of hungry lions. God backed that play, right? God was there. He helped them. Uh, you go on and they get back into and they, uh, into Jerusalem and they re- the city wall is getting rebuilt. God is moving and working and these armies aren't able to stop them because God is with them, right? And these, this Sanhedrin knows this to be true. They know this is truth. And uh, they seem to have forgotten it. So they look at God's uh, score, if you will, his record. And to put it in the guy's terms, because I am a guy, God has an amazing record. It's infinity and zero. He doesn't lose. Ever. Ever. He will never lose. The best schemes of man will not thwart him. The best schemes of Satan are diddly compared to God's plans. God cannot be stopped. His mission is that the church go forth and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died, he rose from the dead, and he brings us to God for salvation. Nothing can stop that mission, right? This is the point that Gamaliel's making. If God is behind this, you're fighting God, and you will lose if you fight this mission. Let them be, and they're persuaded by this. Like, okay, don't fight God. <laughs> we can do that. I, I, don't, I don't want it to happen that way, right? Okay, yeah, sure. Well, we won't fight God, but bring him back in. We'll beat the messengers up. <laughs> no, and they do. And, uh, and that gets me to our, uh, our next reason for hope. And it's not necessarily the, uh, the best reason. It, it seems like this shouldn't be here. But it is a reason for hope, and it's persecution will happen. Right? And now I'm um, not too brushed up on the capital punishments, but I'm fairly certain that flogging does not happen as part of the American way of life. Uh, and with that said, I, I looked it up on the Internet to find out what is flogging? Exactly. I mean, I kind of have a faint idea of what it is but I looked it up, and uh, it was, how did it say it? Thank you, Internet. Uh, Flogging is the act of methodically beating or whipping the human body. Specialized implements for this include rods, switches, cat-o'-nine-tails. It's not a fun thing. I'm pretty sure it doesn't come into the American way of life, something about cruel and unusual punishment. All right? And I don't know if for these guys, it was, uh, all right, you're first, go in the room, and the next one. I don't know if it was a one-at-a-time thing or if these guys had to come in, but I can tell you they were flogged, and they had scars the rest of their lives because of that, right? I mean, I mean in recent history, the only thing I could think of where it comes close is uh, in the 90s. This kid went to Singapore, did some graffiti work, and got cane for it, and now he's got two slash marks on his back scars reminding him not to not to graffiti again right and i think of my own life and the closest i've ever come to flogging was probably a spanking i got when i was a little kid uh and that's like comparing a, a swimming pool to the pacific ocean it's nothing right? i have never been flogged in my life i don't have any scars from spankings these guys walked away with scars right and so, and we read about their response to that. We see that uh, it's powerful. I mean, what does it say? It says, as the apostles left the Sanhedrin, they were crying and licking their wounds. It hurt so bad, they promised to never teach or speak the name of Jesus from that day on. Oh, it doesn't say that. I'm sorry, it says they rejoiced in the fact that they were considered worthy of the glory to suffer for the name of Christ. They rejoiced. I don't understand that, how they could have been happy. I mean, I do a little bit, (laughs) but it's just in that moment, how can they we got flogged. Woohoo! <laughs> keep going, doing it. And they did it day after day in the temple courts, right where the Sanhedrin could see them. Right? I don't know if that was hard for the Sanhedrin to see and go, dang it, Gamaliel, giving us good advice and everything. But they had been, it, they had been uh, glorying in that fact that they had been counted worthy Jesus let them know ahead of time that this kind of thing would happen. Jesus lets us know ahead of time that this kind of thing will happen. We'll say, yes, I believe in Jesus. And as far as our society goes, we're going to get looked at, we're going to be seen as stupid. How could you believe a fairy tale like that? You I be mean, looked at it as ignorant, same reason. How could you believe a fairy tale? We're going to get mocked maybe. Oh, that's nice for you, but for me, I prefer this. It helps me sleep at night better as opposed to the truth. Jesus said, the world will hate you because they hated me first. Right? I mean, we talked about Jesus being sent up to the cross to die. It's kind of a big, I hate you. And, and he says, no, I love you more, so I'll hang here for you. And he brings us to him. And so these, these guys, they remember this. Jesus said we would suffer, and we need to remember that too. We will suffer in some way, shape, or form. The church does suffer today. Voice of the martyrs. Has countless stories you can hear of the church, not just Philida, but the church, if you think as a whole, is being persecuted in countries around where people are being told, don't share your faith. Same kind of situation, only they don't have this Gamaliel guy standing up and goes, wait a minute, guys, we might not want to mess with them. The guy backing them never loses. All they see are these just riotous crowds as they see them they want to crush them so they attack the church and what can we do here to help our brothers and sisters over there we can pray i think that's important for us to do because in america whether or not oh someone mocks me because i go to church on sunday or saturday night or a wednesday evening service who cares at that level for us that's an easy struggle comparatively We need to pray for those who are being persecuted. Let them, uh, you know, let them feel the Spirit of God work there because the Spirit of God has worked there, here, and everywhere where the church is gathered. Where two or three are gathered in His name, there the Spirit of God will be. So pray for those people. And I think another thing that helped them get through because of all that they had been through and what Jesus had taught them. They had the, uh, the remembrance that while we suffer a little insignificant time, right? I don't want to minimize any of that pain, but it brings us to the fourth reason for hope that we have for accomplishing the mission of Jesus. It's that everything we go through will be worth it for the end reward, So the pain that the church has to wrestle with in this brief time, I know 2,000 years does not seem brief to my head, but it seems in the story of God, 2,000 years of the church being around is not so long. that it will be worth it to be brought into the presence of God. I enjoy people complimenting me in terms of, hey, you did a great job there. Thanks for the help that you gave me and stuff like that. What I want to hear is God the Father tell me, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. (laughs) Share my happiness. This is a huge thing for these disciples because, I mean, in that midst, we were just flogged. Yay, we're like Jesus. They're happy about it. They're like, we must be doing something right keep preaching the good news because they know that in the end of it whether or not they're you know at that point it's like well if jesus comes back soon fantastic they may die but they know that they will hear well done good and faithful servant enter the joy of your master i think we all want to hear that i think we all need to remember the holy spirit of god is with us and the church. It is backed 100% by the Father. Jesus started it. He promised us the Holy Spirit to help us through as a counselor and as our support, right? We meet together. um, Remembering that the mission was started by God, so it will not fail. That helps a lot. That helps me a lot. Remembering that, because I often do forget that. Knowing that we will be persecuted because we have faith in Jesus for this guy, for a first century Jewish guy? No, for the creator of the universe. This is who we have our faith in. So we'll be persecuted for that and we'll be brought in to his presence to share that joy with not just those first disciples and those apostles, but with the entire church throughout all of history that has happened, we will get to party with It's not clouds and playing harps. If you like playing a harp, good for you. I'm sure there'll be one in heaven. <laughs> but everybody will get to listen to you play it, and then they'll praise God for giving you the ability to play it. Right? So this is what we have to look forward to, just an eternity of Being joyous, so I hope that this does give you. I hope that gives you hope. (laughs) While we accomplish the mission of Jesus, that uh, the example that these that these men were at this time doesn't just like oh they started getting beat in the early church. No, it gives us hope because if they went through it because they had the same spirit that we have, spirit of God is with us. God will not fail he will carry us through. Uh, so let's pray. Hmm. Father God, I do thank you for being who you are, being that big, for pulling Israel out of myers, for pulling us out of myers. Um for the love you have to send your son to die for us. Father, it just amazes me that these men could be persecuted for your name and find joy out of it. God, when we suffer even just a little bit or there's discomfort or embarrassment, Father, just help us remember that they don't hate us. They hate you, and that's why they do it. Help us be a witness to them, by sharing your love, not lashing back at them, God, sharing your love that they have. And help us also remember just the, uh, the joy that it will be to be in your presence, to see you face to face, and to love you. Father, we thank you for all these things. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen.